0: A look back on Firestone Walkers, 25 years. Sexual harassment, charges of assault, workers' revolt, everything's fine, everybody, everything's fine, nothing to see here. AB's Corona Killer. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. You know, you always hurt the ones you love, which is why we gather once a week and absolutely decimate the craft beer industry, because we are filled with love and (laughs) self-loathing, mostly love. Possibly self-loathing. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How you doing this week? Oh, pretty good. How about you? Well, if this episode uh, uh, feels a little bit off, it's uh, because I I was uh, brewing a batch of beer today. Um, An Eldorado uh, uh, IPA with Eldorado Hop Hash. I may have gotten into the beer while I was doing that, so if uh, if, if I feel a little bit slurred or a little bit loopy, it's because I'm already half in the bag before we even got started.
1: And I was just I was fishing today, drinking,
0: and I'm <laughs> I'm the more composed one, <laughs> which is rare because if usually if one of us is like has already like pre gamed before the podcast, it's usually Tyler, yeah, and that's where the shit show is happening on the other side of the table. So strap in, everybody, it should be
1: fun.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, what are we drinking today?
1: Well. Uh, I should be asking you that question,
0: Jeremy. You're the one who brought the beer. We should, I, 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 we should like, uh, uh, set it up where, you you know, when when it comes time to ask what we're drinking, you ask what we're drinking when I bring the beer. Um, we are, we are drinking. I was getting ready to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you didn't do it fast enough, which is weird because I'm the loopy one and I'm the one who's, uh, on top of shit. Uh, we are drinking Boulevard's (laughs) Tank Seven. Um, Yes, we are drinking Boulevard at this point in time. It's like fuck it. If you're if you're if you're gonna boycott breweries, you're gonna have to boycott every fucking craft brewery at this point in time. And I'm, you know what? There's something about saison right now. I just am. Uh, that is just what I want to drink. I'm I'm sort of kind of over IPAs for the moment. I'm kind of hopped out um, and. Uh, uh, something about just Saison sounds so good right now. And this one is like the, uh, the quintessential American Saison. It's light, mm-hmm. it's dry, slightly fruity, slightly funky, a little bit bitter. Uh, it's just, it's still be- refreshing. It's just a beautifully drinkable beer. You know, it's got like a little bit of like citrusy hops in the back. I mean, again, it's just subtle all the way around and in, in all the best ways.
1: Yeah. And it's perfect for, I think my car said it was 90 degrees as I was driving. That's, Over to here that sounds about right Salt. yeah
0: so uh, uh that's gonna be my uh th- those are gonna be my uh, beer says I think I have to make my uh, ginger lime saison um, pretty soon so uh, maybe the next podcast I will still also be uh half in the bag because I'll be brewing my ginger lime saison I don't think so <laughs> Probably not, because that'll be, uh, because we only got one more episode. uh, Before before, summer break. Before we we, we take a break for the summer, because um, Tyler's got shit to do. Uh, He's busy going to all the beer fests, which are actually happening this year. I know,
1: I'm getting messages (laughs) all the time being like, hey, this beer fest is coming back. Uh, Do you guys want to be a part of it? And I'm like, well, we can't say no right now, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can say no, you just choose not to. No, because, no. <laughs> because, let's face it, you are a whore. Yeah. And, you know, and you, you sell beer because you're a whore.
1: Mm-hmm. Aren't we all? We are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, why don't you get us started today? Well, we're going to start off with a uh, little bit of somber news. Um, because we haven't had any of that uh, uh, at all on this podcast. It's all been happy news since about 2020 onward.
1: Uh, but uh, this it was announced couple weeks ago, but in the hecticness of life and the podcast, we
0: skipped over and, it. And all the weddings. You having yeah. all the weddings. Yes. I got another one this coming weekend. So. I, I'm having trouble believing that people that you know, that the guys that you know, women want to marry them.
1: Uh, some of them are women that I know.
0: Oh. But most of them are guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Even yeah. the women. I mean, I'm surprised that the, the, the people you know... Uh, People want to marry them. Apparently.
1: People like degenerates, Jeremy. (laughs) That's why I'm so easy to get along with. Fair enough. Uh, Well, the AP came out with uh, news that Germany is canceling Oktoberfest for the second year in a row over COVID-19 fears.
0: On one one hand, not surprising. On the other hand, you would think that we're getting close enough that... Well, the Germans are very precise people, so they yes. are—they are—they're they're, they're like, no, we 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 wanted eradicated. We wanted eradicated. We don't want a final solution. We didn't. We did not say final solution. We did not say final solution. We just wanted eradicated, and by it, I mean Corona.
1: <laughs> not eradicated like
0: that. but <laughs> Listen, we just we want everything to be fine. Everything's fine now. We just want fun. everyone to be healthy, <laughs> especially the Jews. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow got off in the weeds quick uh, uh, but uh, we talked about this last year how it was getting shut down and I think we even mentioned last year taking a step back and looking at a beer festival with like the
0: covid lens
1: it's a germ spreading that fest. One,
0: that one is yeah. Is is uh, people are packed uh, packed close together they're uh, I love the pictures of the of, of the beer maids like with
1: 50. Who maybe wear weigh a hundred pounds,
0: soaking wet, and carrying a hundred pounds, pounds worth of, of beer, beer? By the way, uh, yeah, I mean you just look at that, and on one hand, I I, I I want to go to there, I want to see it, but I'm still have enough like anxiety about big crowds. Looking at that, actually, just looking at pictures still makes me a little bit.
1: Ugh. Oh no, I'm like, let's dive into this bitch head <laughs> head first, man. Uh, but the Bavarian governor Marcus Soder said it was with heavy hearts they decided to call off the festival for which the state is known globally. But with coronavirus numbers still stubbornly high and German hospitals already struggling, it had to be done. Uh, He said it will be held again and will be big again. Uh, Apparently last year, after they shut it down, several places did have their own COVID-safe versions of Oktoberfest in the city. Uh, in their individual buildings but it was nowhere near kind of what it was it was not it was not the volks festival of legend no um it they said it typically attracts about 6 million visitors good christ so as you can expect as a
0: government you don't really want 6 million, I mean, six million 6 6 million packed into those tents yeah I mean, good Christ, you're you're almost increasing the uh, population of Germany by a significant amount. Yeah. So uh,
1: the mayor did say the hope was it again would be possible to have open air beer gardens and patio. Uh, but uh, they made the decision and felt it would have been worse for them to wait too long and call it off uh, after everyone's already committed to coming, got everything booked, so
0: they decided to take a little bit safer approach. Rather be safe than sorry. An event this size, that kind of makes sense. I mean, again, if you're talking about 6 million people and the logistics of pulling something like this off, you just look at it and go, let's not. One more year. Yeah. Let's just, like, like one more year.
1: Mm-hmm. And Germany just passed the new emergency break legislation last month measuring limiting personal contacts, cl- closing leisure and sports facilities, shutting or restricting access to mini-stores uh, and uh, added a curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. So it, even if they did hold it, they would first have to repeal that or really going to put a damper only having a couple hours in socially distant Oktoberfest.
0: How do you socially distance 6 million people? <laughs> you don't I mean, you say no you can't come in I mean, fuck the, off. The answer is you say you all go home. That's <laughs> that's how you I mean that's I mean we socially distance more or less, you know, uh, 7 billion people and that's pretty much how we did that. Same basic concept I think you just don't have it. Yeah. So again sad news we're a little late on the ball on this one but I do want to figure. I do want to figure, I'd like to know how much, like, uh, uh, how much space it would take for like six million people, in tents spaced out six feet apart. <laughs> is that the is that the total land area of Germany? Probably bigger. Let's do it. Let's do this shit. <laughs> we just need some big ass tents. And uh, oh, Tyler's got his calculator out, so I guess it would be. Uh,
1: so I mean, six million people. Six feet apart, so you need at least
0: thirty. So you basically got you got you got a you got six uh, a, a, a six foot radius all around you, but let's just say six square. Just to, I mean, mm-hmm. that's you know that makes the math easier. So, I'm
1: trying to think, <laughs> what's well, the size each, of Germany? First, say, well, we need
0: to look up this. Well, each person needs six square feet, um, and. Uh, uh, so they'd need a total of thirty-six feet
1: around each person. I mean, well, yeah. So thirty-six times six
0: million, and my, my and my iPhone calculator just like looked at me and said, "What are you doing?" Um, it stopped it. It stopped at six hundred uh, uh, thousand, um, but uh, it gave me the two point
1: one six. So. Germany is a total of one hundred thirty-eight thousand square miles.
0: Um, I think this is bigger than that. <laughs> that means that the people that Germany wasn't socially distanced at the uh, at the best of times. So let's hold Oktoberfest. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. So let's see.
1: Times thirty-six. So two hundred sixteen million square feet. And. I know a mile is five thousand two hundred eighty square feet. What would a square mile be?
0: This has been two drunks do math. If you have enjoyed this podcast, it's like almost like drunk history, but uh, you know, with mathematics, somebody's in their car sober who knows math, going, "Oh my god, this is painful." So you know what? <laughs> what we're gonna do? If you know whether this would be possible and. The thing is we're not counting any
1: inhabitants of
0: who lives in Germany. Let's just uh, let's just assume that Germany is like this great big square field. <laughs> <laughs> could it work?
1: Find out and email message us, send us a fucking parrot, carrier pigeon, I don't care. But let us know. Could it happen?
0: Uh definitely could not. All right. What do we got next, Jeremy? Well, I feel like we have to do an update on the story we did last week, or failing that, at least a reminder of the shitstorm that erupted last week, although I actually just now realized that uh, a shitstorm is probably not the right metaphor because that implies everything was all hunky-dory, and then a foul wind blew in and covered all that lay before it and fetid excrement. It's more accurate to say that for a brief moment, the storm passed, and there was a blinding light that shined through and revealed a landscape covered... And every kind of poo poo. Um, <laughs> we talked about la- we talked about last week. Uh, Brianne Allen, uh, the production manager at Notch Brewing in uh, Massachusetts, had a particularly bad day, uh, mostly due to the men she was working with making her life miserable and only the way that men tend to do. Uh, she ventured onto social media to ask any, uh, to ask if anyone else had experienced sexual discrimination in craft beer, um, and asked them to share their story. And social media exploded because it turns out that yes, women have experienced sexual discrimination in the craft beer industry. If that surprises you, let me congratulate you on having a penis, or living under a rock, and also possibly having brain damage. But mostly the having a penis part. Um, we're at a crossroads right now, and we're writing the last bit of outrage uh, that people, you know, of people demanding change, um, CEOs and owners. Uh, stepped down last week amid allegations, but a question remains, because um, this is not the first time craft beer has had this kind of reckoning, and we've talked about it. Look up any episode where I say, you done fucked Fucked up, up. insert brewery name here. Founders, Brew Dogs, Boulevard. uh, Platform. Platform. And you all done fucked up last week. There Um, was one more that really screwed the fucking pooch that I'm drawing a blank on. Yeah, me too. Let's see. We, we Founders, Boulevard, right. Brew Dog Platform. We don't know our own podcast. <laughs> Maybe it, we drank too much, Jeremy. And, well, I mean, everybody done fucked up last week, but um, anywho. Well, send that in the email, too. Um, <laughs> my point is, um, uh, we're at this point where you know, it is... Are we actually going to change the culture, or are we just going to be pissed for a while and then move on and things are going to continue kind of the way they were? Well, some new details have come to light, man. Uh, And something that might be hope, it might be indigestion too, or it might just be just general. I've been drinking a lot today, so that tingling might just mean me having to pee a lot, but Let's call it hope. I, I I feel like it might be hope that it's a feeling I haven't had in a while. So let's just say it's hope. Um, <laughs> Dave Infante uh, wrote a piece in Vine Pair entitled uh, "As Allegation of Harassment and Abuse Sends Shockwaves to the Craft Beer Industry, Will Workers Take Action?" And the answer appears to be yes. Yes, Good. they will and have. Um, we talked unionize. Ab- we talked about Jean Brulette uh, the Fourth. Be, I mean, which is a fucking ridiculous name. It sounds like a, a, a guy who would just be able to start a craft brewery. Gene the IV. Um, sounds like that fuck should have owned a winery. That's
1: just way too that much d- pompousness for a craft brewer.
0: I mean, really, he really should just drop the fourth. But anyway, uh, the co-founder of Tired Hands, who was named in several insta- instances, uh, 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 stepped down. It turns out he may have been forced out and leased in part by his own employees. According to a former employee, workers apparently shut down production, delivery, and on-premise can sales Ooh. until Brulette resigned. Um, Chris Howard... And we
1: all know that fuck ain't gonna come in and do everything.
0: Um, Chris Howard, a rep for the brewery, uh, declined to confirm uh, that there even was a stoppage, but an anonymous Instagram post on Allen's feed indicated that work work stoppage did happen. Um, and whether that influenced that Dick, ba- Dick Bag's decision to step down, well, we report, you decide. Jacob McKee... unlike
1: most major news networks,
0: <laughs> just saying this happened. I mean, there are there there are I, I would say credible allegations that work stoppage did happen because why would someone lie about that? Um, I would know why uh, people at Tired Hands would lie about it not happening, and the guy did step down. So. Uh, you draw your own conclusions. Uh, Jacob McKean, uh, we talked about him also stepping down. Um, that may also have, may have had something to do with a work stoppage. Workers at the Oakland taproom announced on Instagram, quote, we will not be pouring beer in Oakland until we feel the company leadership acts in a way that aligns with our personal values of inclusion and equality and that appropriate measures and actions are put in place to prevent future discrimination and harassment. Um, to be fair, their demands weren't necessarily McKean stepping down, but also... but Read the room. I mean, yeah. Um, there's no indication that the work stops led directly to this outcome, but then again, what company is going to come out and admit that their workers made them their bitch? Yeah. And so I just kind of wanted to... I, I, I wanted to bring up this article and bring up these things because <laughs> it runs... Because... Um, right now uh, the uh, um, I think feel like the workers have workers of craft brewers uh, breweries have more power than they ever have had probably since the inception of craft beer at least within a decade um, but um, um, it there there can be changes and there appears there appears to be changes um, happening you know uh, uh, at the level of the people who are serving beer who are Brewing the beer, who are doing deliveries. Um, I also wanted to highlight this article because it runs counterpoint, um, or at least Dave Infante brought, brought up an idea that was that ran counterpoint to an idea I had when some brewery fucked up. I think it was Boulevard. Um, an idea crossed my head. I don't know if you remember this, Tyler, that uh, the BA could be a force, uh, the Brewers Association, the BA, uh, yes. could be a force for change. Um, if, it stu- if it stood up and provided some structure, um, maybe even some protection for workers. Um in my utopian head, it even went uh, so far as to envision a program funded by the worst offenders. Um, like Boulevard would have to actually pay into this, uh, like a fund to, Yes. To, and uh, I
1: saw the BA was announcing they were going to be doing something about this, but I didn't actually dig into that.
0: Well, I mean, so the, so the BA has like a, 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 you know, like, you know, like regulations on, you know, what they have, what, what, you know, is acceptable behavior, especially when it comes to, uh, um, advertising and labels and like and media put out by breweries and it kind of extends a little bit here's like acceptable behavior you know in the craft beer industry but they're fucking toothless you know they, they can't enforce that stuff other than say you know this is this is the shit you should be doing and then if a brewery says we're not doing that their ba is like w- w- will you still pay your dues and the brewery's like yeah they're but, like, uh, okay, we're not happy, but we're, we'll take that money. We're gonna, we're gonna be we're gonna be really sad when we take that money, but we'll take that money. I mean, um, the point is is that the Brewers Association is a trade organization and it's a trade organization funded by uh, the owners of the breweries. Um, their job is to promote craft beer um, in such a way that makes you know uh, the the owners more money um and so they find themselves in an awkward pre- awkward position uh they can't you know it's it's to you know they 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 have no uh, uh real authority yeah um in order to to do their that their
1: boss is the people that pay them
0: um so I, I you know Dave Infante pointed that out going it's not going to come from the ba because who you know who's going to who's going to fund an organization that polices uh what what they do Um, but, um, I would still argue that there are enough people, and I'm talking about brewery owners and people who founded breweries who did so, uh, under certain ideals, um, that they might still pay in to, to a organization that especially was, um, providing a, a safe space, a safe space, a harassment-free space for workers. Yes. Um, and again, I'm... Get my pie in the sky, maybe utopic head right now, but um, you know I I I still do feel that 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 the BA could be a force, but it has to pass down from them. I think what has to happen is that the 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 members of the Brewers Association, the individual members, have to say we want um, we want this. Yes. Um, now whether that's going to happen, probably not, but that's where the change would have to come from. Um, and I guess the last thing that, that, that popped in my head is that I think, I mean two things. Number one, working at a craft brewery, you have more power. Again, you will have more power now than you probably ever had. You don't have to put up with this shit. And so this is the time to leverage. Yeah. You can, I mean, whether it's, whether it's an absolutely awful work situation where you've got a brewery owner acting like a complete ass and just say, fuck off and quit, maybe the whole staff like platform did Mm -hmm. or just individually, because let's face it, there's a lot of opportunity out there right now. Um, brewery owners, I think most of them are trying. I think they're not, they don't tend to be greedy, manipulative, um, assholes, I think they are people who run a business. Um they are I feel like there's like a there's like a uh, um a sense of of an extension of home brewers like in a lot of the lot of the owners that so like they don't realize that part of their job is they have to now manage people. Mm-hmm. Um they are just home brewers that um that love beer and wanted yeah. to own a brewery. And, you know, they, and, and they look around and they, and, and they think, oh, well, you know, the employees look happy and, you know, we're making beer and everything's hunky dory. Um, and I get it because I've done, I've been on both sides. I've been the, the fucking ant moving, you know, uh, grains back and forth and I've actually managed people and managing people sucks. Um, but that is kind of the job. And I, I guess what I want to, I, I want to throw out there is that, um, I guess the question I want to throw out there is that, um, how do you know your the, the, people that that are working for you are happy and good? I mean, do you talk to them? Do they have a seat at the table? Um, and by the way, if they're not telling you on a regular basis, shit that you don't want to hear, the answer is no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, uh, and I, I guess that's where I'm getting is like there's there's two places that there's there, there's two uh, uh, places for uh, for change to to pivot right now. Um, uh, the people that are in the trenches, um, you don't have to put up with this. And if, if you own a brewery, um, uh-huh. you have to realize that you're in a position of power, and you might not even realize it. Um, you know, the you I think a lot of uh, of uh, brewery owners almost look at their employees like their friends, people who almost show up just kind of. Because they love beer, and your answer is yeah. And they also show up to get a paycheck, which you control, so you have. And power. so, and, and and so, you have to understand that a lot of a lot of people will just tell you what you want to hear, especially if the couple of times they've told you what you don't want to hear, um, to bad results. They'll just tell you what you want to hear, and move on with their life because it's fucking easier.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, if that sounds like your situation realize that
1: yes and take heed and you may not want to hear it or you may not want to do what they recommend but they're saying
0: it for a reason exactly um and that's where i, I think that that's that's where this industry is going to change i mean um and it, it's going to happen at each individual place it's going to happen with uh, each individual situation um I don't, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but, again, a tiny little stirring. Might be indigestion. Might be, again, because I'm half in the bag, but let's call it hope. Hopefully
1: it is hope. Uh, <laughs> so uh, just to kind of piggyback off that, the Brewers Association is ho- ho- hosting a webinar series on preventing sexual harassment. Perfect. <laughs> uh, it is a three-part webinar series. Um. Uh, that I think went over this weekend, so uh, so part, you could have seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, part one: Preventing sexual harassment: the basics.
0: I just, i i i worked in a at, at a corporate job some years back, and um, somebody said something to somebody of color. Nobody. They refuse to say anything, but we all had to watch a a a a, a sensitivity video, and this is, sounds like exactly that. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and in it, they'll explore how you can start building harassment-free workplaces, what it means to go from a bystander to an ally, best practices to have, blah 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 blah. Here's here's
0: uh, a- ready oh, for oh, part oh, two. Oh part oh shit! That was only part
1: one. Oh my god. Preventing sexual harassment, it starts with a conversation Uh, To be fair, sexual harassment usually starts with a conversation (laughs) too During this session we'll dive into what counts as sexual harassment Examples of how it can show up and what we can do and say when we experience or witness harassing behavior Uh, Part 3 Preventing sexual harassment becoming an industry leader Craft an action plan for you and your team to begin implementing today. Uh, how to implement effective training and uh, the resources you'll need to start creating positive change in your
0: workplace. I mean, nice I, nice corporate uh, 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 truth speak right there.
1: Yes, and f-
0: ties right back into what you were just saying.
1: They can't come in and be like, we need to reform this whole bitch. Because... It's, they work for, but are the, for the breweries, but are the ones who administer punishment to the breweries if need be. It's like looking at a sports league commissioner. They work for the owners, and then they, the owners allow them to levy little punishments against players and teams
0: well, I mean, a, a, a trade group organization, um, if it chooses to regulate itself, and a lot of times uh, it will, because the next, uh, you know, the, the, the alternative is government regulation. Um, you know, and if you want uh, uh, FDA regulations, this is how you get FDA regulation yep. type of thing. Um, but uh, um, you know, a, a lot of times that's where these trade groups come from. Like, no, 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 we'll we'll take care of it. But and, and you allow take-
1: the little hand slaps, and then, but as soon as they come in and go, we're drone. Everything out. We're starting from new. They go, no.
0: I mean, I guess I think it could happen only because, again, i mean, I've but said But like
1: it. you said, the change has to come from basically the workforce to the owners to the BA saying, we want change and standards and punishments pre-written out. If you do this, you get this. I mean, we- and it has to... We, the shit has to flow Uphill basically We
0: don't We don't We, we don't want These kind of people We don't want um, You know Businesses to operate Like this In our uh, Industry yes. Is what You know Is where the where it, Is where it has to Come down to And you know, And um, And again I might have said it At least two weeks In a row But hell Let's do it One more week um, This industry Was founded on A bunch of ideals That We didn't accept The status quo I mean You know There was corporate beer And we decided We wanted Something better, and I th- say that something better extends to everything—not just the product that's being produced, but um, but the uh, but the places where people work and uh, places where people go to have fun. Everything, you know, where the industry was designed to make it better, and um, I guess uh, uh, you know the 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 uh, uh, the kind of tagline um, for craft beer was ninety nine percent asshole free. Well, we've seen that we're. Not 99% asshole free. We're not
1: even... We're, we're
0: maybe doing a C-level right now. <laughs> That's actually... I, I think I I think I. think. Uh, thought maybe 70% asshole free. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I think the rest of the... the rest uh, All industries, you know, humanity as a whole is about 66% asshole free. So I still... We're... we're, we're in my heart, want to believe that we're above average, but we can do better. Yes. <laughs> um... And we do that by, I mean, again, from the from from the bottom up, and and congratulations to the uh, to the workers who um, exercise their power to make shit happen. And I hope I see more of that. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only and not only uh, to uh, in in response to sexual harassment, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, making craft beer a good place to work, not just mm-hmm. a place to collect a paycheck, but really a place. To earn a living. Um, a livable wage. Advancement. Doing something that... And doing something you're proud of. hmm So... So...
1: no. hopefully, we can start getting some better stories coming up out on the other side of summer break, and hopefully, we don't need to come in and do a special episode, because more people done <laughs> fucked up.
0: Hopefully. Tyler, what's next?
1: Well, before I hop into the next article, I did... Just plug into a conversion tool, square feet, two square miles.
0: Is that what you were doing while I was talking?
1: Yes. Uh, so, Germany would need basically eight square miles to be able to host the six million people, all six foot social distance. That's not bad. No.
0: So I'm like. I'm like sitting there going, I'm sitting there thinking the entire the entire country of Germany, like eight square miles, that's doable. Yeah. it has gotta be eight square miles of uh of uh some open field somewhere? Yeah. Uh, some farmers just, field. Just do
1: it where they did the sound of fucking music.
0: <laughs> I mean, in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, perfect! <laughs> I mean, I feel like that eight square miles is spread up. People are gonna be like hanging off a mountain or something. Well, but... there
1: is a big field. <laughs> You pay for a more expensive ticket, you get the field. I mean, pay for a cheap ticket, you get a cliff.
0: (laughs) I love it. Let's do this. (laughs) We got Hunger
1: Games and a beer fest. Although, wasn't
0: The Sound of Music in Austria? Uh, I don't know. I've never seen the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously? You've never seen The Sound of Music? Fuck no! (laughs) They didn't make you watch... uh, They made me watch it in, in, in school at some point in time. I think it was like... Uh, it, I went to school in northern Idaho. Oh, that's right. That's probably socialist propaganda there. <laughs> Tyler, what do you have next for us?
1: Uh, well, we're going to do a little look back on Firestone Walker because they're celebrating uh, 25th year of brewing this year. Woo! 25 years. Making Which I didn't
0: realize they were this old. Tyler, how? You, I think you're, just about, you're about to realize how old you are. No, no, I know that. Turn 29 in like a month. See this? This is where the tear would be if I could cry, but I can't because I'm pushing 40. <laughs> and your tears dry up when you're pushing 40. <laughs> yeah, you got to save that fluid for other shit. It's the only way I can get a heart
1: up. <laughs> but, uh, so there's an article from uh, a local news channel down there uh, by Dave Alley that uh, really kind of just digs in and interviews them and of takes you through the f- timeline of Firestone Walker, they were founded in 1996. Uh, and it was founded by Adam Firestone and his brother in law, David Walker. I guess it,
0: I didn't know they were like related even by
1: marriage. Yep, or, I mean, I knew they were friends, but uh, in inside a nondescript shed at the family's Santa Yen's Valley Vineyard, um, he said, Adam Firestone said it was a very small idea. We made one beer, we thought we'd distribute it just kind of locally, and maybe expand to reach a little bit further, and that'd be about it. <laughs> yep. Uh, do you know what their first beer was?
0: Um, ooh, um, I feel like I learned it, but um, by the uh, the Double Barrel or the, the... Yep, Double Barrel Ale, the damn, DBA. Damn it, yes. Love, they don't make it anymore either. No. Uh, That's... Uh, that's a beautiful beer.
1: about the only time I've ever really seen it lately is like if it's a double DBA like variant barrel aged bottle
0: that's only available in their tap room. Talk about a style that that is beautiful that's just gone by the wayside. The uh, the the English uh, uh, ESB or bitter beer.
1: Mm-hmm. So that beer quickly built a loyal customer base, um, and. They said it started as a modest project, and they're not quite sure how it got out of control. (laughs) But at some point, it got a following, and it caused expansion. Uh, They came out, uh, they got out of the wine business, and rode the craft beer wave. uh, Which, I always knew they had involvement in the wine business. That's why they did so many different barrel-age stuff. And really, outside of Goose Island, I feel Firestone was like the west coast leader in barrel age stuff and maybe even kind of a nation leader
0: i think it's absolutely true and and um early in my in, in my craft beer uh education i mean firestone walker was the was the uh uh the the gold standard for barrel age beers i mean mm-hmm. i would not even even more so than
1: parabola is still probably one of my favorite beers it is top two or three beers
0: hands down to this day. Sticky Monkey more for me. Um, I love a, a barrel The Belgian one. quad. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I, I like that real rich Russian Imperial style with
0: that bourbon backbone. Isn't... Uh, no, I'm thinking of Sacava. Never mind. Yeah, Sacaba's <laughs> the barley wine. <laughs> I like Sacava. Isn't that a barley wine? No, I'm thinking Sacaba.
1: Yeah. Which they got rid of Sakaba and did the Heldorado.
0: The Helder... I, I think I saw a bottle of the first Heldorado that... Uh, I mean, it was boozy as fuck when it came out. So... Um, but, uh, they talk about how in 2001,
1: they, uh, started producing more beers, uh, and moved its headquarters into the Paso Robles House, where it's still headquartered today and where most people know it's from. Um, and now they're one of the best selling craft breweries in the United States. Uh, each year they produce around a half half a million barrels of beer a year um and in 2012 they really kind of jumped up to the next level and were able to finance a lot of their expansion with one beer they kind of did in response to Bev buying goose island uh the 805
0: Oh my God! Yes, because I, Goose Island had the three one two Chicago urban, I, and I remember in uh, in beer circles they were talking about um, how everyone started buying up their yep.
1: area codes, so AB couldn't buy it up because <laughs> AB bought like two or three other area codes, and everyone fucking panicked.
0: Which I, I, that's I, that's one of those like really weird tales of craft beer. I um, I, I I I would love to know. How far that idea really went in AB InBev, um, because I think it might have been just a lark. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, let's, let's uh, uh, expand in Chicago. And then, you know, they bought a couple of, I don't know what area codes they bought. It'd be, in the book,
1: Barrelage, Stouts, and Selling Out, they go over which ones they bought. And yeah. none of them
0: ever came to fruition. You need to get you need to give me that book. So yes. I, <laughs> I know. I need. I, I need if to, I
1: remember, I'll bring it next week.
0: Okay. Um, but uh, um, that's a. I mean, but you're right. I mean, I think they they were had an idea of what they were doing, and at the time, and uh, I mean, uh, um, you know, the the specter of AB InBev, um was so great. They're like, no, we will not do that. And everybody bought their. I mean, Grand Teton mm-hmm. bought two oh eight. And of course, uh, Firestone Walker bought the 508, 805, 805, and dyslexia. I, I feel Firestone Walker did this
1: with such like genius, and that 805 is one of their best-selling beers because of how they marketed it. Mm-hmm. We talked about this. I want to say on one of the previous. I'm sure we did. Uh, I want to say it was like last year or something about how they never marketed it as along any of their other beers. They'll do it in ads where it makes it look like you're free out on the open road on a motorcycle or at the beach. Yes.
0: Or they even have their own, I mean, in town, I think, in any big market, they have, you know, the, the, a rep for Firestone Walker, and then they have the 805 rep. I think they've
1: consolidated that have down they? a lot.
0: That uh, would make well, sense. But, I mean, at one point in time, they had, like, two different people doing... Two different mm-hmm. things, and and I think the uh, I mean Firestone, the Firestone Walker rep rep was uh, uh, more like marketing craft beer. The eight hundred five rep was there doing more like the traditional like big big brew type of. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: And I think it was mainly the eight hundred five rep was there to do events for eight hundred five, where the Firestone Walker rep is dealing with off prem as well as on prem, and so you had that, but. The fact that they marketed it to perfection is what I really enjoy about that beer, and it's just a basic blonde <laughs> ale.
0: It's like, the beer is okay, but they're marketing. You can taste the marketing. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't look like a Fire be, sun Walker uh, beer. To be fair, uh, I mean, uh, Tyler is a, uh, a marketing major, and so, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: game recognizes I get game. My,
1: I get my jollies off <laughs> nerding out on shit like this.
0: I mean, game recognizes game, you know.
1: Um. But in the article, they talked and they were able to reach uh, and expand a lot farther than they ever expected because of this beer. Uh, Said in the article, they're in about 30 states around the country. I thought they were in more, but 30 states sounds Sounds about right. right.
0: Yeah.
1: I thought they were closer to 50, but. I
0: mean, we were, uh, we got it here only, what, four years ago, five years ago?
1: We had it when I start when I we started working together. Did they here yeah. Idaho? Yeah, because uh, Renee used to trade that to people because not a lot of places got it, but Idaho got it, and so he always used that as trade bait to get shit we couldn't get.
0: Well, oh, then they—I mean—they pulled out the 805 at some point in time. Then because oh,
1: 805 didn't
0: come in. Okay, I was talking about I was, so right, it okay. got
1: founded in 2012. I don't think 805 got here. Intel. that's what i was talking about is the 805 oh.
0: itself i mean i know Fire- i think
1: that came in like 18
0: yeah Sorry. firestone walkers been distributed here i mean that was, at the same time i mean i was kind of you know early in my beer education was like yeah we could get that mm-hmm. uh
1: we could get it a little before it was available here in the variety pack but you had to buy the variety pack i didn't know that because uh, I'd see it at Winco occasionally. Uh, I always
0: had a couple who would come into the uh, uh, to the homebrew store where we both used to work. Um, and uh, we're actually working again now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they had 805 tattooed on their arms. Uh, um, oh, nice. And they always asked when, when can we get this? I'm like, I don't think it's ever kinda come. There it you go. It came. It came.
1: Uh, they said uh, about 90% of their production is consumed within 300 miles of the brewery. Which is fucking insane to think
0: of. It really is. I mean, that's... Well, it is, but it isn't. I mean, there's a lot of people within 300 miles of Paso Robla. True. Uh, In the article, it talks
1: about how they have become one of the biggest employers in the central coast of California, uh, boasting a staff of more than 500 people. Uh, They uh, just... Completed a multifaceted sustainability program this year. Uh, 9.7 acre solar facility uh,
0: to help power the campus. We talked about that uh, uh, when we were talking about Solar Power Brew a few uh, couple weeks ago. Yep. Yes. Uh, and, you know, they talk about how they're
1: always looking for that kind of new and creative styles. Uh, they brew over 90 different styles and different types of beer in a year. Uh, which keeps it exciting for their staff. And uh, then it talked about how they sold to Duval Morgat.
0: When did that happen? I, I twenty fifteen. Okay. So, right that right during that same year where AB InBev was just going insane, and and by the way, Ballast Point got sold for a billion dollars. Yes. Um. And they they talked about how the
1: the Firestone Walker families are still. Owners, They're the minority owners where Duval Morgan is the majority owner, but they are still in hundred percent control of operations. And I think that's why a lot of like craft beer nerds didn't quite freak
0: out when they got bought. Yeah. But I mean, I also don't feel like that Duval Morgat is going to, they just don't, first of all, they're not as scary like AB and Biff. Yes. Um, Although I mean, again, I'm I'm loosening my uh, uh, my uh, uh, my prohibition on AB and Bedford because I think largely they've run their their craft uh, production line they're well. They're on
1: seltzer, <laughs> and they're letting their breweries, comparatively to
0: Constellation and Molson Coors, kind of do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, which is the correct answer from the get go so but we'll get back we'll get into AB a- Bevs and their and their love of seltzer in just a bit <laughs> uh, but so
1: he to kind of wrap up the article he says the single biggest reflection he has is how grateful he is uh, he's worked with wonderful folks uh, great sense of gratitude for the team the talent in the central cross has been phenomenal and to the market and customers who have grown alongside of us excellent so Kind of a nice feel-good story of a brewery who didn't start to become some massive thing, but started to make a beer they wanted to drink and expected it to stay local and how it's grown.
0: It just got out of control. Like how <laughs> the, like I, And then at some point in time it got out of control, but uh, we're still doing our thing. I mean, and Firestone Walker is still... Mm-hmm.
1: And they said the reason they sold is they had so much bank debt... They looked at it and said, "Do we want to owe a bank a loan, or have a group that's been brewing for 150 years have majority control over this? Give up equity for this money instead of having to pay a loan back?"
0: I mean, yes, that makes sense. So, Um, especially if you, especially if there's like this implied agreement, or you know, uh, or. Actually, you know, not not implied, like written down. I don't know what the what the agreement is, it, but we can continue to run this exactly the way we have been, and yeah. and, and continue and will continue to.
1: And Duvall, primarily being based in Europe, why wouldn't they be like, yeah, do this? We can then use our distribution agreements for our current brands to help you get another step. Let's rock and roll.
0: Exactly. What do we got next, Jeremy? The strange tale of Tekeza news now. Uh, Tyler, do you have any memory of Tekeza? I I don't...
1: I may have tried one. I don't... I've been racking my brain since you brought up this article. Because I also saw this article on Beer Twitter and I was like, I need... To fuck it. I was like, I need to read this article. And then today I was panicking trying to find it. And I couldn't find it. So I'm glad you found it.
0: I poured over it like it was a fucking Zabruder film.
1: <laughs> uh, but I don't think I ever tried it. But I remember seeing it just come out of nowhere. All of a sudden on every grocery store shelf. Right around the time I was getting into craft beer. Or maybe I was a couple years in. And I was like, what is this fucking Tequiza thing? And I knew that... Just looking at the label, I was like, "Okay, they're trying to take on Modelo, uh, Pacifico, Corona, all all those Mexican import beers." And I heard bad reviews of it, but I never tried it.
0: Well, this comes from a VinePair article uh, entitled Tequiza Sunset: A History of Anheuser Busch's Agave-Infused Corona Killer That Wasn't," also by David Fonte. Um, let me take you take you back, uh, uh, Tyler, to the the late nineteen nineties. Uh, Puff Daddy was still Puff Daddy, not Puffy or P Diddy or Fuck Bunny or whatever the fuck. He, is he even still a thing anymore? Oh yeah, okay. Um, I didn't care then. I don't care now. Um, uh. uh well, you're not a Junior Mafia fan. I'm just saying he was he was gleefully ripping off uh, music from the past two decades. Uh, fashion was likewise rip, ripping off the mid to late '70s, uh, as bell bottoms and Union Jack jackets were uh, were all the rage. And Members uh, them, <laughs> and we got to watch Leonardo DiCaprio uh, uh, freeze to death, uh, and then argue for the next thirty years uh, whether or not Kate Winslet was a bitch. For not sharing a door she was uh you're better off leo actually obviously she was a bed hog uh you would have gotten married you would have had spent all your life fighting her for covers yeah uh, did he even get his dick touched <laughs> in the movie though yeah in the car did you not like they like, went in the car there was like some steam pulling up there was like a handprint
1: ah uh, so at least he got his jollies off but i saw a scientist actually break it down both people could have fit on that door.
0: The Mythbusters actually did that, yes. <laughs> um, but the point is, she was a bed hog uh, and you would have ended up sleeping on the couch in disgust and your marriage would have died in a pool of bitter resentment and sleep deprivation. Anywho, <laughs> Anheuser-Busch uh, was still around ten years away from becoming a InBev, and was caught between two kind of horrifying trends for them. Uh, The 80s have been good for Anheuser-Busch. They rolled out Bud Light to compete with Miller Lite to a huge success. Begrudgedly they rolled it out. Correct. But they did, and it was uh, uh, working for them. By the early 90s, they were neck and neck um, with their rival uh, in the best-selling overall beer in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, they did see sales stagnating, and it wasn't hard to find the culprits. On one side, Corona an otherwise uh, rather obscure brand was suddenly flourishing. Um, what is now known is the first lifestyle brand before we had any clue what the fucking lifestyle brand is. And by the way, if you want to know my opinion of lifestyle brands... That's like episode three. <laughs> go back to... I, I. What was it? It's uh, Dude Bro. Dude, Yeah, Dude Bro on a Beach. Uh, um, that was when I, I discovered what the fucking lifestyle brand was and I was not happy. And we were talking about Kona. Um Corona market, Corona's marketing was all about endless summer. It was refreshing, if not highly, if not a highly skunked beverage, um, due to its inexplicable, inexplicable use of clear bottles. And yet, its flaws somehow made it that much more magical. Uh, Corona had no pretensions; it had no expectations. If beer were people. Then Corona was a big, fat, hairy dude on a hammock suspended by two palm trees. Uh, gut hanging out, baggy shorts on, and a sign that reads, Nary a fuck to be had nor given in the sand in front of him. He's that homeless dude taking a shit on a beach. I mean, who doesn't on in some point want to be that guy? A little bit. A little bit. Mm, yeah. Maybe not the guy taking a shit on the beach, but the guy just hanging out in a hammock. That's where I was going with that. I don't know where you came up with a guy taking a shit on a beach. You've seen it, you know, and, and you've—I have, res- have not seen it, Tyler. And you've respected the game. Game respects game, Jeremy. <laughs> I don't know what you think my history is, but I've not watched a homeless person shit on a beach, behind a building. Sure, who amongst us has it? But on a beach, no—that's for hanging out and you know being yourself.
1: Then um, and- they just bury it like a cat and walk away. <laughs> Again. <laughs>
0: I worry about your uh, uh, where your mind has gone. In 1998, Corona uh, overtook Heineken as the best-selling import in the United States. Um, and it was clear that Bud Light's target market was being uh, overrun by this obscure Mexican brand. On the flip side, uh, in, in the late 90s, hard liquor was drawing drinkers away from the beer market entirely. And tequila, especially, was enjoying a bit of interest. Um and actually, for kind of similar reasons, it's uh, kind of similar reasons. Unlike bourbon or scotch or vodka or gin, tequila has no pretensions about itself. Outside of the Southwest, it had, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, a little bit of foreign mystique about it. Okay. Um, a couple of decades earlier, Keith Richards embarked on what he called his cocaine and tequila sunrise tour. And fun fact uh, tequila sunrise was actually invented at a bar where Keith Richards was staying. So, um, It's only a girly drink if you uh, 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 think that drug-addled monster was a a girl. Oh, also,
1: I just realized, because I was like, man, a lot of these dates are way older than I thought. I have no idea what the fuck Takiza is. The names sound unfamiliar, but what I was thinking of was a completely different, like, just (laughs) random, like, pseudo-Mexican beer that I saw on the fucking shelves.
0: Uh, so you have no idea what... I it. have never seen this bottle in my fucking life. I do. I, I, I have vague memories of that. And it was just around... You
1: also got to remember, it went from 98 to 2009. Yep. I graduated high school in 2010.
0: Which is why I was kind of curious. Like, oh, you you remember this? No, I don't.
1: <laughs> um, uh, oh, that's it. Aculto was the beer I was oh, thinking of. Oh, you're thinking... Okay. Well, yes, it, that's the one I was thinking of.
0: Yeah, completely different. Ah, uh, uh,
1: of course, March 13, 2015, Anheuser-Busch.
0: You could see how I got mixed up. Well, anyway, um, uh, uh, again, just to bring you up to speed a little bit, you, you fucking kid. Ha uh, <laughs> Keith Richards embarked what he called uh, his uh, uh, Cocaine and Tequila Sunrise Tour. Um, That's the Rolling Stones, if you didn't... Fuck (laughs) you! (laughs) The Rolling Stones were a band, okay? Uh (laughs) That was a magazine. In the early 80s, uh, uh, Jose Cuervo uh, uh, topped country charts, and then Van Halen's Sammy Hagar opened the Cabo Wabo Cantina complete with his own branded gila. Um, it was the hard liquor of dirty fucking rockers. That's what I'm trying to... I try, that's what I'm getting here. Like, drug-addled, skinny, you know, just dirty motherfuckers um, that had more money than God, but still chose to drink swill because they knew nothing else. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they would love to throw back the old felony juice uh, be throwing, throwing a chair at a television and, you know, uh, embarking on their cocaine, drunken-fueled adventures. Um, again, who among us, in the darkest part of our hearts, does not want to be those people? <laughs> I've done shit like that in right, Again, you may... <laughs> listen, if it wasn't for the fact that you had to earn a living, you would be that person. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, you hand me a couple million a year, I am back to being that person. Corona and Tequila. How do you compete with these two entities? Well, A.B. had an idea, and they were. it was simply to combine the two.
1: Oh,
0: no. Um, and out of this unholy union... Tequiza was born. Tequila started with a beer base, something akin to Corona, which was, you know, after all, their biggest boogeyman. In fact, um, that was what they were really trying to compete with uh, at the time. Losing people to tequila was bad, but what they really needed to prevent was this Mexican upstart from taking away the diminishing uh, loyal beer drinkers, right? So you have this light, adjunct-heavy beer, and they added they actually added tequila to it, and agave nectar, and of course lime to compete with Corona, who had, again, inexplicably incorporated lime wedges into its image. So much so that there are actually te- uh, Corona brand limes. Really, at the time, I don't know if they still exist. I, I, I saw that, but uh, uh, um, um, but there are you know Corona brand limes, um, and actually, no one's really sure where. The idea of putting a lime wedge in Corona came up with.
1: Uh, to keep flies out of it.
0: I, really? I hadn't heard that one. I mean, I, I kind of researched a little bit of like uh, where the, came The only to...
1: reason I know that is when the wife was down in Belize, they were like, you know why we throw a lime in it? And she's like, no. And they're like, it keeps the flies out. They will go in and can't get past the lime.
0: So when you push the lime in, the flies go in?
1: No, no. So, when you open your beer,
0: yeah. you push it in, you
1: leave it in the neck of the bottle. Okay. So, fly tries to come in, it'll get... It'll run into the lime. Yeah. Beer. And then it can't get down into your beer. And it doesn't like the acidicness of the lime, and so
0: it leaves. Like flies to shit. Um, <clears throat> that's a theory. Um, uh, I mean, the... I always, affi- I always assumed that it was either to disguise or enhance the uh, taste of Corona. That's what I always thought. Mostly to disguise. Um, but the point is, Corona owned the image of the lime in beer. Um, and, and also the clear bottle. So Takiza had both. Uh, it was a light, sweet, fruity, liquor-infused malt beverage that AB InBev rolled out in uh, 1997 to, at the time, actually pretty big pa- fanfare. Um, as... Er- Early returns were good. Um, in 1999, DeKiseth uh, uh, sold uh, uh, 570,000 uh, uh, barrels of uh, beer. Damn. So, more uh, than a Firestone Walker. I was going to say, when you said half a million, yeah, a little bit above a, a Firestone Walker. But there were problems. First and foremost was that the seeming overall opinion at the time was the product they made was just way too fucking sweet. Uh, beer drinkers seemingly hated it. Uh, Takeza has a, to be honest, an impressive all-time rating of zero on rate beer. I saw
1: that, and like a 50 on Beer Advocate. Uh, to
0: put, that, put to put that in perspective, Carlsberg, a brand that we have talked about early in the podcast, and it's almost like the poster child for terrible beer, um... Has a rating of five on on, on on rate beer. At least someone liked
1: Carlsberg.
0: <laughs> um, a couple of my favorite reviews um, from uh, 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 B. Poro of Eugene, Oregon, um, uh, tastes a bottle of, uh, who tasted a bottle at a party. Uh, quote Awful, just awful. Base is a bad macro adjunct lager with loads of nasty candy flavors. Metallic, soapy, stale, chemical, offensive. Why? Question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> From uh, Capiti Critique of out of Kansas City. This should be a shandy. Shandies are nice, refreshing, popular with old people in Scotland. This is not. Took a sip, put it down, and left. If you were dying of thirst, sure. To be compared to a shandy and say, no, you should be this, that's that's harsh. That's fucking harsh. Um, and as you mentioned, Beer Advocate had a rating of 50, which is uh, awful, according yes. to them. Um, but again, compared to Carlsberg with a rating of 70, which is okay. (laughs) Although to be fair, um, uh, uh, on beer advocate, Bud Light has a score of 46. So I mean, I
1: think because it says Bud, it dropped it.
0: I mean, uh, that's, and that's my point is that let's take these, uh, uh, the, the, these beer ratings with a certain grain of salt and maybe a touch of lime. Um, <laughs> maybe a little tequila <laughs> uh, people who like but, but my point you know I think the point of bringing this up is people who like beer did not like this uh, people who weren't fans of beer however kind of liked tequiza. and one of the most common bits of positive feedback they got was something along the lines of I don't drink beer but I like this um, and therein seems to be a bit of the problem they created a product with the goal of unseating Corona uh, and that means hitting its target audience hard, which, again, let's think about that big, fat, hairy dude in a hammock. Not the dude taking his shit on the beach. <laughs> My guy, on the guy in the hammock, just, like, permanent vacation type of dude, you know. The dude. The dude. The dude in Hawaii, in a hammock, okay? The dude bro on a beach. The dude bro on a beach. That dude bro did not like this. Uh, A.B. rolled out to Keiza, uh, 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 or, excuse me, um, it was way too sweet. Uh, they wanted beer, um, so Ab and Bev had a uh, had a, a solution. They rolled out Takiza Extra, higher alcohol, less sweet, and the results were better. Um, again, if ratings on Rate Beer or Beer Advocate or anything to go by, Takiza got a four, or Takiza Extra, sorry, Takiza Extra got a four, and. Well, actually, I couldn't find a He's extra on Beer Advocate, which is probably strictly speaking an improvement. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but in this case, we get a sense of the process by which a new product gets put through the process through the to, through the uh, ringers at AB InBev. Uh, we've mm-hmm. talked about several new products that kind of pop up here and there. I think I've accused them at, at more more than once of like having like a shotgun effect. But the answer really is, is they just have this like um, this huge. Comparatively huge budget for AB InBev, I'm sure it's pocket change, but they have a decent budget for people just to try shit, which I actually respect. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's I remember reading an article
1: in like a homebrewing magazine that talked about this homebrewer that got to go brew on their like pilot system in St. Louis. That's like a ten barrel system. It's their pilot system. That is where the brewers of AB Bev get to go to fuck around.
0: (laughs) a 10-barrel system. That is their homebrewing system. Which is like a gallon uh, uh, system for a homebrewer. I mean, I mean. Yeah.
1: And he got to brew a beer on it. And just like the knowledge they have. And so, yeah. I mean, they have embraced creativity in brands that are
0: allowed to. Which I'm mean, again, I, I I did not really know that or understand that, but kind of respect that. I mean, obviously, there's a corporate structure in place, mm-hmm. and especially with this like something like this Takiza, they were um, they were trying to hit a certain target, and you know here's what they wanted, and what they came up with was very corporatized. but yes, um, but still the idea of like we have this like huge budget just for you know new shit it's kind of like i don't know i I respect that um but uh um the point is is that you have this amount of money and bottom line it's a proving ground and you you pull yourself you you get to pull from the same pool as a whole bunch of other new shit that comes out around the same time the same place um and if you if it works welcome to the club Club yes. with a capital C. Um, if not, well, it's a one-way ticket to the land of misfit booze. I kind of want to go to the land of misfit booze.
1: i do not hanging out there's, with tequila. Uh... There's a
0: weird. There's some weird shit there. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't want to drink it there all the time. I just want to see it. <laughs> um, we talked about uh, 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 Firestone Walkers, a uh, 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 half a million barrels a year. Uh, half a million barrels uh, 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 after two years on the market. Well, as a former brand manager for Tequiza lamented, quote, (laughs) AB InBev spills more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, The product failed to do what they wanted it to do vis-a-vis convert Corona drinkers. It was phased out in 2005, and then quietly retired by 2009. And then you graduated high school and found a culto.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, But not without some ripple effects. For a start, although beer drinkers hated it, um... Or at best, were bemused by it. Um, AB InBev okay. did discover a market for alcoholic beverages that were beer strength but didn't taste like beer—something uh, sweeter and fruitier, not as bitter. Um, so, did this inspire the Ritas? It did, actually. Um, I mean, the the uh, the, the year that uh, uh, that Takeza was phased out was the year Bud Light Lime was released.
1: Ah. I remember that hit in the grocery store I worked at.
0: And the next year, of course, as you said, the Ritas, the, the Lima Rita, the... strawberry the... Yeah, yeah. All... Um, uh, there was kind of this, like, feeling of prohibition about adding fruit to beer uh, in AB InBev at the time. But when they rolled this out, they saw that there was a market for it. And so they said, well, okay, this didn't work, but fruity flavors, beer... Might work. Right. Um... And let's not forget what you know. And then, of course, there was the meteoric rise of uh, a White Claw uh, in about 2017, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, uh, they were in a good position to uh, to start brewing and release Bud Light Seltzer, which is still the number three. Uh. I was going to say they were late,
1: late, late to the game, though. On that,
0: they were. I mean, I but wouldn't... their
1: distribution network is what allowed them to catch up.
0: I wouldn't say they were late to the game. I mean, I I feel like,
1: bro, well, White Claw hit a billion in sales before Bud Light
0: Seltzer got into. I mean, but for, yes, but for the longest time there was there was White Claw, all right, and then truly around the same time, and then but AB InBev also had well they bought the uh, the Spike, Spike Seltzer, Seltzer
1: which became Bon Viv,
0: right, and so I mean they had a they they had a a a leg in the market, true. And so they just... I would say that now is late. With every fucking craft brewery uh, are releasing their goddamn hard seltzer.
1: But the
0: biggest three letters
1: they have in brand, equity, bud, they never slapped on to
0: it. But, I mean, I mean, I would say that they were ex- following the curve exactly. Like, White Claw obviously was a trendsetter, right? And truly... Was was there ahead of its time, right? Bud Light Bud Light uh, Seltzer was like following exactly like the, the 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 curve. It was it may it may define the curve of you know if you were after Bud Light Seltzer you are too late. Still think they were a little late to the game, but. well, you're wrong about a lot of things.
1: I mean, just because <laughs> you're late to the game doesn't mean you can't succeed. They were super late to the game on light beer.
0: A good point, actually. And then
1: that became the biggest selling beer. Were they
0: really late to... I mean, again, yes. I feel like... It
1: was Miller Light.
0: Miller Light was a big one, yeah. And
1: then Augustus Bush refused for years to make a light beer. He said it's a fad that's going to die. Right. And then finally, Miller started closing in. And he didn't like it. And said, green lighted, Bud Light. And it took off, and that's what got them to one out of every two beers sold in the United States was a Bud Light.
0: But again, I don't know if I would call that late to the game. Um, in, I mean, because at the, well, first of all, at the time, there was only like what, five breweries? Six? Um, and, you know, there was Miller Light, and then Bud Light, and then... But,
1: I mean, I don't know... On I- the flip side, with their distribution and their scope of distribution, if you're going to say that you got to really kind of define the late to the game because they have such a big scope and such a big reach anything they put out like Takiza a complete flop can still outproduce most huge craft breweries
0: well and i i mean i, I think important is Takiza was not a huge flop it was a it was not what they were going i mean a, a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of people in well, of course, a lot of people that were involved with it were saying if we just had more money, we could make it work. And the answer is, of course, if you had more money, you could make just about anything work. Uh, but and it wasn't, I think, it wasn't that it was necessarily a flop. It was that it didn't do what they wanted to do, which was take out to take out Corona. But on
1: like the Bud Lights, late to the game versus Miller Light, the fact that Miller Light had. A couple years without that competition. Well, from the biggest or second biggest brewer in the nation. That's I guess when you say,
0: I guess when you say late to the game, I mean here's what I here's what I think is that because I mean although you, you you know you say that that Anheuser was late to the game both times, they have since become a leader in at least one of those categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean now Bud Light. Way outsells Miller Lite, mm-hmm. um, so um, when I say when you think we when you say the phrase late to the game, I, I think of somebody who you know uh, who you know they show up and every other brewery's already doing it. like well, I have to do it too and they mm-hmm. do something and doesn't do I mean they're just doing it for
1: but then Miller came out right after Miller Lite with a red lager and. I think it was Red Wolf, and then... How am I find myself in the position of defending Anheuser-Busch? How and then <laughs> AB InBev immediately, How? within a month, comes out with Red Dog. So,
0: oh my fucking god, Red Dog, I haven't thought about that brand. So,
1: AB matched Miller on a lot of things in that battle for number one, except for Bud Light. That took them longer. That's where I say they Which is now to by the far
0: the best-selling beer... Yes. Full stop. Yes. Um, so, but, just
1: because you're late to the game doesn't mean you can't take the lead.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, um, I guess, you know, and to end this, um, uh, uh, Takiza was remarkable. I mean, we are we, we're, we're talking about Miller-Kors. Um, Takiza was remarkably similar to me, um, to Zima. Okay. Um, again, released by Kors. Um, They both tapped into a market that was... Basically unknown at the time, we're talking about people who want a beer strength cocktail beverage that doesn't taste like beer. Mm -hmm. Um, that was fruity, sweet, and refreshing. Yeah. Um, the one AB uh, uh, InBev marketing veteran, um, Tim uh, Schroden, remarked, um, it just wasn't big enough to make it sustainable. But I would argue that if someone had it out today, it would be one hell of an entry. Maybe, I, I again. I never tasted it. I, I have vague memories of seeing it at a, at, at, at a grocery store, but I never uh, actually tasted it.
1: Yeah, I think for the simple fact where Seltzer is now,
0: it wouldn't do it. But also, I mean, but maybe where hard Seltzer is now, but I mean talk about uh, let's talk about i mean uh uh, mike's hard lemonade and the hard sodas Mm -hmm. that immediately preceded the uh the hard seltzer that was probably yes
1: if they would have released it in let's say 2010 i think it could have been big during that time
0: yeah so but there it is the uh uh a a reminder of a, a an obscure uh uh beer-like product. Yes. <laughs> All right, Tyler, what do you got?
1: So, I t- found an interesting article uh, from the Chicago Tribune about uh, one of off-color brewing Gotta of Chicago's most popular kind of beer series. Um, so, they last year they released a beer that was meant to pair well with tacos. It was, I remember that
0: beer. I had that beer. Have you had it?
1: I have not, but I saw it was out at a couple stores here in town, so I'm going to pick some up. Buy some tacos,
0: see how it stacks up. It was uh, it was a lime goza, um, or at least a spiced lime goza, and it yep. was not bad. So
1: it the article says it was bright, salty, fruity, tart, like a margarita. Um, and Off Color gave it a super basic name, Beer for Tacos. Mm-hmm. It became a massive hit. Uh, it became its second biggest selling brand in just three really? months.
0: I guess I wasn't aware that
1: it was that big for them. Uh, So that quick success made them think, what if we start naming a bunch of beers like this and kind of take the inspiration of each one of those beer names and make a beer to pair with those? So they did, and it released a flurry of beers titled Beer for Golf, Beer for Brunch, Beer for Pizza, Beer for Burgers, Beer Beer for Beaches, Beer for Cafes... Beer for ball games, meaning baseball games, and even beer for derbies, referencing the Kentucky
0: Derby. I have had the uh, beer for uh, pizza, um, and it was interesting. Does it describe to talk about it all there. Uh, I don't remember
1: specifically Dude, mentioning the, the beer for pizza. That's, like
0: that sour you uh, uh, brought at one point. I think it was like I think you may have actually uh, slipped it to me um, when we were still doing remote episodes. But the Doug's like cola. Beer? oh yes that it's oh. there it's a beer brewed with like cola nuts and um basically uh uh coca cola's recipe it tastes like a slightly tart um uh uh coca-cola mm-hmm. it meant to go like oh beer uh, uh pizza and, co- and cola par- yeah pizza and cola parties nice um
1: yeah so they launched all these different options and it helped them get through the pandemic um and with this here, um, really kind of limped them through the COVID nineteen pandemic, uh, and they're ramping up with some new styles, getting ready
0: to the, the, expand the series. Uh, the beer for tacos. We uh, um, the, at the tap room I was uh, at, at the uh, was working at that time. We picked it up about May. I didn't know that was like the original. um yeah. Oh wow, we were we were on the forefront. I did not know that. We were on the we, we were we, we were tra- dare I say we were influencers. In fact, yeah. I'll go so far as that we are the reason that this is a success. Um so. <laughs> Tyler was like um, I'll I'll
1: let you stand on your soapbox a little longer.
0: Uh Tyler was like, whatever you need you to You didn't do
1: a good job of marketing it, but
0: <laughs> We don't we didn't have it, we sold it
1: all, so mm. Fair enough. Uh, Don't know if I'd call you influencers then. Uh, But uh, they're releasing some new ones this year as well as trying to protect some of the ones they already have with trademarks. Uh, I'd have to go through and find it, but they had tweeted out on their Twitter page, they're like, we're in the process of trademarking some of these because people are blatantly knocking off (laughs) our beers with... There was one that was like a beer for tacos that they're like screenshotting and send and putting this all on that Twitter thread, and people were like, "Well, you can't trademark
0: like beer for," and they're like, "When it
1: comes to a beer name, yes, you can."
0: I mean, first of all, I, I, I guess at this point in time uh, in craft beer, uh, uh, calling a uh, uh, copyright violations is a bit like uh, hanging out tickets at the Indy Five Hundred, but uh, you're right. I mean, I mean you, like uh, incorrect. We have. Uh, uh, we have that name. Yeah. Uh,
1: this has actually been a really, and this beer has been super popular as well as help them remain true to their ethos where they refuse to make an IPA.
0: I did not know that either.
1: Yep. Uh, and anyone who's been in craft beer knows IPA is a guaranteed sale. Pretty much. But they refuse to make one and want to stick to their roots of the Belgian-inspired
0: beers. And so... I mean, there, are, there are few and far between. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it must be exhausting. Uh, you have to pay your uh, server extra just to be standing at the bar and people go, Uh, oh. is there an IPA? And like, no. no. You don't... <laughs> Again, you, actually, I think I, I think at that point in time you just have a sign though. If you ask for an IPA, you, you owe us a dollar.
1: Yeah. Uh... So they think that the success of this beer series actually comes from the simplicity. Uh, he said, it feels like customers are overwhelmed sometimes, and telling them pretty simply what the beer is has been effective. Uh, th- they had a beer called April Rain, made with Japanese citrus fruit, white tea, and Beer for Golf is a very similar beer, made with citrus and tea, and... Uh, Mickey King and Arnold Palmer. I'm gonna say
0: it has to be an Arnold Palmer. There's no way it's not an Ar- uh, Arnold Palmer. April Rain had been consistently
1: difficult to sell, but the first batch of beer for golf sold out online before anyone
0: could even try a sip. They called the. I mean, here's the thing. I'm, I'm confused. They they had a uh, they had a like a, a citrusy tea beer that they didn't call. Be- like an Arnold Palmer, or beer for golf, they call it April Rain.
1: Yep, so they created that first, and then it never sold great, and then they created beer for golf. And it sold like wildfire.
0: Marketing, bitches.
1: Uh, They then get into, you know, what makes a beer for golf or for pizza or for brunch, a baseball game, hamburgers, whatever. They start with... Beer for, and then they put a word after it. And then they think of what's associated with said word. So, for like tacos, tacos, margaritas, what, how can we get something close to that? Or, like you said, pizza and cola. Okay. How do we get something close to that? And it really helps stir like the creativity of their brewers and allow them. Uh, to think and be creative and brainstorm. And it's, they say it's a lot harder putting something after beer for and making it meaningful than you would think. We get all sorts of ideas from customers. You should do this. This would be great. Uh, but they just can't get it to where it's a beer they would be satisfied and can truly feel is associated with
0: the word after beer for. I mean, well, I, I feel like with a lot of things when they when they talk about what you need to brew to pair with something especially the way they're thinking it's like yeah but we still have to like confine ourselves to barley, hops, and yeast so yes (laughs) especially when it comes with that with that beer for pizza um, was like amazingly close well beer for burgers would you like to guess what beer for burgers what would be a
1: beer I guess I would say like pilsner actually (laughs) so it was inspired by a boiler maker a beer and whiskey shop Uh, barrel aged pilsner a house box aged two months in whiskey barrels uh, as chris outlines of a lager but a rich multi vanilla core from the time in the barrels all right yeah i I mean oh yep beer for pizza mimics cola Uh, Dark Belgian candy syrup, cola nut, lime juice, vanilla, lemon, orange zest, orange blossom, cinnamon, coriander, nutmeg, and citric acid. And they do a cherry version of beer for pizza. (laughs) Of course they do. (laughs) So, and they talk about how most people drink beer with food. And so this is really... I know. Do they?
0: (laughs) Is that how normal people consume beer?
1: (laughs) That's how they perceive people to do it. So by putting the beer for this, when someone's standing at the store and goes, we're making
0: this for dinner tonight. I'll try this. That's an obvious thing. If you're like, oh, we're having tacos tonight. Let's get a, here's beer for tacos. Yep.
1: Um. So they really kind of get into, like, each of these different beers where, like, beer for movies, a uh, Kolsch made with 50 pounds of popcorn kernels, smoked malt, and a touch
0: oh. of salt. Ugh. God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, we, we we talk about movie popcorn, I think diacetyl, and I think wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no diacetyl in this. It's just popcorn kernels, a little bit of smoke, so it'd feel like slightly burnt popcorn maybe. You know how sometimes towards the end of that bowl, I have
0: faith that Off Color made it delicious. It's yes. just in my head. I'm like, wrong. But
1: with this here, uh, I am just really excited to see what else they can come up with over the summer, and hopefully we keep getting them out here. Uh, but I'd be really interested to see if more breweries start to kind of follow this fad.
0: Obviously they have. They have, they but, have a copyright issue. <laughs> but
1: maybe not call it beer for, but really kind of make beers that are meant to be paired.
0: Well, I I I don't think that's a new thing in uh, in craft beer. and I think a lot of people pursued that. It's just the the whole idea of marketing it, I mean, that directly um is one of those like obvious ideas that no one did because everyone thought someone did it. Because well, because it just seems stupid. I mean, you know, it's 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 almost it's almost like uh, uh, enjoy by, yeah. um, You know, it's just it, it's an idea that just seems so direct and so stupid. Like, well, why would I do that? Except for you, like, oh, because it's brilliant. Yep. And so, um, I mean, I know at least one beer, um, um, brewed specifically uh, here in town. It's a, uh, a a jalapeno pale. I don't think the brewery does it anymore. Um. Or at least doesn't it, uh, it was a it was a uh, flagship of their brewery, but I, it's it's less so now. But it was <laughs> brewed specifically to uh, pair with barbecue or or or, or food. It, you know, it's it's one of those. Um, uh, they knew that by itself, you could. I mean, you could drink a jalapeno pale by itself, but uh, it really was brewed, brewed to to pair with food, which was awkward because until recently they didn't <laughs> they didn't serve food at that brewery. So true. <laughs> So, but yeah, I'll,
1: I'll be curious to see what other crazy ideas they can come out with and keep
0: an eye on. Well, keep an eye on, yeah, keep an eye on Off Color and their Beer for. Series. Series, yes. Because, um, like, the Beer for Burgers, oh, I
1: don't think I would have ever came up with doing a Boilermaker, but then as soon as you hear it,
0: I mean, I guess, you're like,
1: oh, that. That sounds like a great idea.
0: I mean, I guess I think of Pilsner and then one step further. Oh, right, boiler Boilermaker. What's a beer for podcasting?
1: Oh, no, we need to send them a message to be like, <laughs> hey, let's do a beer for a podcast.
0: Uh, uh, off color, if you're listening and you probably aren't, I'll get a hold of you guys later, but uh, we should do a beer for podcasting, and it shall be a uh, imperial stout with shame. <laughs> Pure distilled shame. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that tastes like, but... A barley wine
1: aged in shame.
0: I don't know, like sage? I feel like sage, <laughs> sage tastes a bit like shame. Oh. And, uh, and, and, and coriander. Because it also tastes a shame. Tyler, you have anything else for us today? Nope, <laughs> that, that wraps
1: it up for me.
0: Well, this has been It's All Beer. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, we have, uh, uh email. We are that advanced at, uh, at here... You can get a hold of us there at it's all beer at gmail.com. Um, a couple of uh, a couple of y- y'all let us uh, know about uh, all the shit going down uh, as far as the sexual harassment um, uh, uh, goings on. Um, uh, thank you, uh, Erica and Sean, uh, for uh, for the emails. Appreciate it. <laughs> and also, <laughs> I'm 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 not sure if I'm happy or sad that when uh, uh, when. Uh, um, when things are when the shit's blowing up uh, in craft beer like I know someone who will enjoy this or he's over there <laughs> you yeah. you immediately think of us uh, uh, it's all beer at gmail.com uh, we post our stories on twitter uh, it's all beer one um, until I can get a hold of Has it, it's all beer uh, and and Take it from me Facebook uh, It's all beer And Instagram It's all beer Um, And uh, if you feel so inclined uh, You can put a rating on Facebook Or on iTunes Or basically wherever you get your podcasts Um, It boosts a little bit of our visibility Probably but mostly, it, it, it makes us feel happy that we're, like, that there, there actually is someone on the other end of this microphone uh, listening to the shit we're doing. And then that's our beer for ratings. Yeah, beer for, yeah, beer for ratings. Um, in this case, to be a Saison or, uh, again, so could Jane. <laughs> um, well, actually, bottled by Shea. <laughs> boulevard. Um, and that'll Canned. Be, <laughs> canned by boulevard. And that'll be uh, quite enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Uh, we've got one more episode coming up. Uh, we're going to do something special uh, coming out uh, next week. Uh, until then, uh, uh, I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. Man.